Hello and welcome to Be Her, Be Heard, a podcast run by the Intercollegiate Business Convention, part of Harvard Undergraduate Women in Business. Be Her, Be Heard is a series profiling inspirational women from a variety of industries. Through highlighting our guest success stories, this podcast aims to empower future businesswomen. Welcome to the first episode of Be Her, Be Heard. My name is Lucy Liu. And I'm Jeannie Lauer. And we're the co-chairs of the Intercollegiate Business Convention. Joining us today is Ms. Tashunda Duckett, the CEO of Chase Consumer Banking at J.P. Morgan Chase. Tashunda is known for her leadership and determination that have shaped her success as one of the most powerful women in banking. She has received numerous accolades for her accomplishments, the seventh most powerful woman in banking, top 50 most powerful women in corporate America, top 100 most influential blacks in corporate America, and many more. Tashunda, thank you so much for joining us today. It's such an honor. Um, We're so happy to have you as our first guest on Be Heard, Be Heard. Thank Um, you so much. John, I am deeply honored that um, I am your first uh, your your first guest on what is such an amazing platform and podcast. So congratulations! Thank yeah, you. Thank you so much. Um, and to start us off, we would just love to hear a little bit about how you entered the finance sector and sort of the path of your career that has led you up to this point. Absolutely. Uh, what's so interesting is that growing up, my parents always told me to reach for the moon because even if I missed, I would be among the stars. I had no idea that part of the moon reaching would be becoming a CEO of the consumer bank at JP Morgan Chase. But as I reflect on my journey, I would say that Inroads, which is a nonprofit organization that's anchored on identifying diverse talent and, and providing them exposure into corporate America was my disruptor. So Inroads was my disruptor. I uh, was able to have an internship at Fannie Mae, and that was my entree into corporate America. I think what's interesting to note, especially for your, uh, your viewers, is that when I interviewed for uh, the job opportunity, Fannie Mae at the time only had one internship uh, position. And there was a lady named Valerie Manning who was there recruiting, talking to the young students. She went back to Fannie Mae and said, I found um, the intern and her name was Sarah. But for whatever reason, Valerie Manning advocated for me and said, but there's this other girl that I think we should bring in. So when you think about the power of advocating, especially as women, Valerie Manning did not know me. I did not have a plethora of work experience. But however I showed up in that interview, she was compelled to use her power and saying, I know I was only assigned for one intern, but there was this other girl. And had it not been for Inroads being my disruptor and a lady named Valerie Manning to advocate for me when I didn't even know, I would not potentially be a CEO of the Consumer Bank at Chase. And so that's how I I started. I was at Fannie Mae uh, for many years, and then I left Fannie Mae to join Chase, started my career in home lending, progressed through the ranks, and then moved to being the CEO of Auto, and then over the last four years have now been the CEO of the Consumer Bank. Wow, thank you so much for sharing. 
Um, you know, that's such an inspiring journey. And I think many of our listeners can, you know, relate to the power of advocacy and how, how important that is. Um, so now that we know a little bit more about how you got here, could you maybe tell us about what desired impact or purpose continues to drive your work in the finance world today? Absolutely. Well, everything for me is anchored in purpose. And my purpose is to inspire others and to make real impact. And when I think about that purpose in corporate America, one of the uh, anchors that I'm very passionate about is financial health. I think that everyone is worthy and deserving to have a path of financial security, no matter where they are. Um, and, you know, we like to say that we are helping people make the most of their money so that they can make the most of their lives. And when you think about just the reality of many Americans being anchored in financial health and having a personal passion for that, uh, while I have the amazing platform to be a CEO of the Consumer Bank, just really brings my purpose, my passion and my background, my professional background together in a very, you know, beautiful and hopefully impactful way. Yeah, well, that's definitely such an important cause. And I think it's really inspiring that you're, you know, able to use, you know, your platform as CEO to advocate for and help others. You know, I think one thing as Harvard undergraduate women in business, we're definitely interested in um, your experience sort of as a woman in such a male dominated industry. Do you think you could talk a little bit about that and, you know, any obstacles you've had to overcome? Absolutely. Well, first and foremost, I, I want you all to be anchored. It's something that I had to learn along the way, and that is I am enough. That I am worthy and deserving to be not just in the room, but my voice. That my voice is necessary and required, not just as a woman, but as a Black woman. It's absolutely necessary. And so when you think about the experience along the way, um, I always like to say that everyone's journey is unique and personal to you. And so my path may not be your path and that's okay. But what I will say is that people don't start at the same starting line. Uh, but in the corporate world, it's often assumed like, what, how did you get their tea? And then people are writing and saying, okay, well then that's my path. Um, everyone is not expected to run the same race, nor should you have that expectation. And, and like I said earlier, I didn't dream of becoming a CEO. I just wanted to make impact. Uh, and so when I think about the opportunities that have come my way, um, it is a product of advocacy. It is a product of hard work, authenticity, which is so important, especially when you're in a male dominated world. Sometimes you try to water down who you are in order to quote unquote fit in. And what I know for sure is that watering myself down also means I'm watering down my impact and we should never dim our light. And the best way I'm able to be um, the best corporate executive possible is that I am unapologetically Tashonda Brown Duckett. I am proud that I am a woman and, and how being a woman has shaped my life being a black woman and, and being African-American and how that lens and headset shapes my life and bringing all of that motherhood, all of that uh, to the table, I think is required. And so I would say that when you think about those obstacles, some of the obstacles are also the obstacles that we battle within ourselves. 
that we battle to say, you know, I don't want people to see me as a woman. I don't want people to see me as black. Well, what, well how do you want me to, how do you want to be seen? I just want to be seen in it as an executive. And yes, that is true. But I believe I want you to see my dopeness. And part of that dopeness is shaped by all aspects of who I am, which are really big parts of who I am. And that is how I'm able to really make impact with all of my technical skills and all my knowledge and background and business. But bringing that extra flavor is my differentiator. That is where my superpower lies. And, and yes, I've had barriers and obstacles, um, whether that's uh, being a CEO with my colleague on my team who is a white male when I was CEO of auto and the natural disposition would be to give him that eye contact first, assuming that he's the CEO, because clearly I'm probably the assistant. Um, and then, you know, what I've just learned is I just like, wait for it, wait for it. And then my colleague would say, you know, you have to talk to her. And I'm like, yeah, hello, how are you? Uh, so I, I think, you know, you know that there's those nuances in terms of, you know, who starts the conversation when a decision may need to be made, do they start with you or not? But what I would say to you is with all of those little nuances, that's not my issue. And so I would just encourage, especially as women, I'm not going to own your shortfalls. I am not going to own your perspective that may think that I am less than. That is not my issue. And so whenever I see those obstacles or nuances, you know it's there, but I'm not going to let that dim my light. I think the other piece that I would share with you is that in business and in relationships, the goal is to find common ground. And what I know for sure is that there is so much more that we have in common if you choose to start with your authenticity. And how that plays out in business is that um, I may have been the only woman in the room, uh, colleagues may have other interests, but I will talk to you and keep talking and we will find common ground. And that's what will be our anchor point. But through that common ground, I will also share aspects of me and wanna know aspects of you that may not be as common, but it's so interesting. And that's where your power lies. And I think that's so important on how you address obstacles or how you deal with nuances of being a woman. Don't own it. Don't own it because you don't, that's not your issue. Two, be authentically, unapologetically who you are. Do not water down your superpower. And three, know that there's so much more in common that we have with each other. And so find that common ground. And I think authenticity helps to uncover that. Wow. Yeah, definitely such important lessons. And um, I think we're all happy to hear that it's okay to be yourself, I guess, in the working world. It's a really powerful message. Jeannie, I was going to tell you this, like the best shot I have at being the best executive possible is being me. Like I am not going to be great at being Jeannie or Lucy, even though you all are super amazing. I will, it will be an epic fail. So the best way that I can have success is playing to my strength, which is who I am. That's, that's the best shot. And I think that's so important because sometimes we can want to swap and try to show up as someone that we're not. And you're not going to deliver those outsized results because every day you're trying to figure out how to be someone other than you. 
Yeah, most definitely. Wow. It's so good to hear that, you know, coming from someone who's <laughs> achieved so much that, you know, the key to success obviously in part lies in just being yourself. I guess talking about, you know, a more recent challenge, namely the uh, COVID-19 pandemic, sort of how have your job and the finance industry as a whole been affected? And do you see there being sort of enduring changes to occur um, as a result of the modifications that have had to be made? Yeah, I think first and foremost, let me just start from a personal level. Being the CEO of the Consumer Bank, leading thousands of employees, recognizing that they are essential, has been heavy. Every day through the pandemic, I wake up saying, how do I show up better as a CEO for my people? How do I show up better for the clients that we want to make sure have access to banking every single day? And so when I think about the moment that we're in, I am incredibly proud of my team who literally have worked around the clock, listening to our employees in the branches, the partnership across the firm, making sure we're making enhancements in our digital assets, making sure that we're partnering with my ops colleagues, operations, uh, making sure that we are working closely with my real estate team on supplies and what's needed, and, and, and really just being intensely focused on what are we hearing from our people and from our clients is absolutely core being a leader, especially when you are um, in the middle of something like a pandemic. In terms of what we are seeing, we have seen profound shifts in consumer behavior. And part of that is anchored on the stay-at-home orders. Part of that clearly was anchored on uh, the level of anxiety and uncertainty uh, we as Americans have been facing. And what do I think will happen in terms of trends? I think the trend is expected to play out over the years um, that will be anchored on some of these pivotal moments. I do just think it's important though as a leader that you don't make decisions as if this moment is the way it's going to be forever. You really have to play those scenarios out, be very well positioned to adjust to the acceleration but you don't want to have this knee-jerk response to something that you're seeing over the course of a couple of months as if this level of crisis and pandemic and emotion will now be the new norm. And so it's very important to have that disciplined uh, mindset and really be relentless in what you're seeing in terms of trends. Customers are though increasingly willing to migrate uh, to digital and we're seeing a high number of new enrollments you know, over the last month on some of those additional features, whether that's quick deposit where you can take a picture of your check and you don't have to come into the branch or wires or paying people and the seamlessness and easiness of doing that. And so I do feel great that our customers are using our digital capabilities um, at an accelerated pace. And it's core because we make it simple and easy, which you have to obsess over that customer experience. Um, but I do think that secondly, what we know for sure is that customers are still going to look for us for advice and they still want to connect. And I think we're seeing that in COVID. 
you know, this not being able to have human connection, no matter how awesome Zoom is and how awesome all these digital capabilities are, we are all yearning for human um, connection and being able to see each other in a more direct way. Um, and then I would say Chase Chats, which is something that we launched uh, in our branches pre-COVID, uh, which is really around providing snackable insights around financial health and other topics, we enhanced that strategy or accelerated the strategy to include webcast. And that is a direct uh, result in terms of the acceleration of um, COVID, where we've had over 90,000 people join these virtual events. And so to, to really put a bow on this, we are seeing acceleration to our strategy. Our strategy um, is still relevant and still clear. So I've not had to materially shift the strategy, but we are seeing opportunities to accelerate. Uh, whether that's digital offerings, whether that's continuing to transform our branch network, uh, promoting financial um, health, and making sure that we have an inclusive recovery for all Americans is at the center of what we're doing during COVID as well as the acceleration post-COVID. Yeah, definitely. Um, what you spoke to about, you know, showing up for your people as a leader in these really challenging times and making sure that now this industry is inclusive, um, really resonated with me because you know, this pandemic has brought to light some of the fundamental disparities um, within our society. And I think, especially in light of recent events, the murders of George Floyd, Maude Arbery, Breonna Taylor, and countless other Black Americans, those have really illuminated the enduring systemic racism in this country. And we would love to hear, you know, if you could talk a little bit more about how you're leading your team in this, you know, challenging environment. Yeah, I, you know, I would say I'm leading the team with a level of vulnerability, a level of authenticity, a level of realness to create space for real conversations, to create space, to recognize we have to do more, to create space to ensure that this is not a moment, but, is, but that it's a fundamental shift around economic inclusion. And I think it, as a leader, it's been really important for all of us to acknowledge the pain to acknowledge the anger, the fear, and the uncertainty that everyone is feeling. For me as a Black woman, as a mother of four, I did not expect that I would have a conversation with my 12-year-old around a modern-day lynching when we're still trying process Emmett Till that my father could talk about. And bringing that realness into corporate America, I think is important because what makes corporate America, corporate America is anchored on people and a diverse set of people and acknowledging that it's okay to not feel okay right now. I am still not okay. I am still processing the level and the depth of my pain. 
And the reality is that the depth of my, the depth of my pain goes back, not just with the names that you mentioned, but it goes back to all the other names that have not been mentioned. It goes all the way back to understanding that this level of disregard for Black lives or this level of uncomfortableness to say Black lives matter or this level of uncomfortableness to understand structural systems that have been built post-Reconstruction are still here and that we have not fully achieved full citizenship for all Americans in this country. That is what people want desperately, full citizenship, full equality. And we want that at the workforce. We want that in our educational system. We want that when it comes to police um, brutality. We want equality. And so at work, what I am trying to do with my team, and it's a we thing as a leader, you have to bring the entire tribe into the conversation and meet people where they are within their pain and within their headset and understand that everyone is not going to have the depth of the pain that I have and create space for them to acknowledge that as well. Because you need everyone to get proximate to this narrative if you want to really do the work and go on the path to having a true inclusive environment. I'm encouraging my team to have courageous conversations. Um, and I would say that I'm hopeful. I think that the tragedy that we've seen over the last several weeks, along with COVID, we're in the middle of a pandemic with people being home more, I think it opened up a headset that non-Black Americans and non-Blacks around the world were able to fully understand and appreciate what felt like we've been yelling for for years into the wind without regard. And that makes me hopeful because more people are saying, wow, there wasn't another alternative to the story. He was unarmed. He was laying on the ground. And for a $20 bill, he got sentenced in the middle of a street to death. That hurts. So I am hopeful that this moment is more than a moment. And I'm hopeful that for my team inside the firm, and I am hope that I'm hopeful and encouraged that we are continuing to have real dialogue. We are acknowledging that it's okay to not be okay, but we're also looking at everything that we do with a headset of that there's more to do. And I think that gives me hope and that we need everyone on this journey, not just black employees, not just the black executives. You know, we need everyone to understand that this is an issue. This is an American issue, not a black issue. And that this issue will not be solved or we will not make real structural systemic progress if white Americans and other groups are not all in with us on this journey for full economic inclusion and full equality in this country. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing, you know, your, your thoughts on that and your sense of hope with us. And sort of looking into the future, can you speak more to the dire importance of 
you know, initiatives promoting diversity and inclusion in the workplace? And how do you envision implementing those? No, I love the question. Um, I think first, it is acknowledging that this opportunity of hope has to transcend initiatives. It has to transcend it in a way that's anchored on structure. Mm -hmm. um, I think that companies have to continue to have a dedicated focus around structural racism, systemic issues that have plagued our country and business. And really say with everything that we've done and everything that we're looking to do, how will that work have an outcome that has full inclusion? Whether that's the dedicated focus of inclusive recruiting, looking at every area of the firm and say, where do I not have representation? women, blacks, et cetera. And what is the job to be done, not in aggregate and saying 50% of my workforce is female or X percent of our workforce is black, but look at areas where it's 2%, where it's 20% female, and then say, what do I need to understand structurally about those repeated outcomes for year after year, decades after decades, I have to disrupt that in a way that says, where am I recruiting the talent? What are the questions that I'm asking? How do I understand transferable skills? How do I anchor on talent is created equally, opportunity is not? And say that I don't believe that there's any area in corporate America that should not have 50% female representation at every level of corporate America. That's a headset shift that we have to say and disaggregate the data to understand the problem that needs to be solved because now you will create new pathways that will change the outcome and making sure that representation is there and that inclusion is fully felt within the way in which you identify talent, the way in which you develop talent, and the way in which you retain talent. And when I think about those examples of initiatives, whether that's internally we have women on the move, we have Advancing Black Pathways, which is really focused on hiring and the retention and the development of talent within the Black community. But you have to be relentless. You have to have that same headset when it comes to uh, inclusion that you have for the P&L, that you have for customer experience. You have to do, and you have to continue to do the work. And you have to understand that I need to understand the drivers that will then give me that impact. And are those drivers effective and are they working? I would also just say that we have to realize that this is not just about a moral obligation. It's a business imperative and it is anchored on culture. What is the culture of your organization? And if in your principles of your co company in the culture is saying that we, we value an inclusive work environment, that we value the diversity of thought that's in the creed and the character and the foundation of a company, then we in corporate America and across all industries have to say as evidenced by, as evidenced by the work that we do and the level of work that we do in order to make sure that that statement is true and that it is felt by all employees within the company.
Yeah, most definitely. Obviously, this is such an important cause and it's really inspiring, at least for me and I'm sure for all of our listeners, sort of to hear your sort of rhetoric of, of change and moral accountability and corporate level accountability as well. I think we're about out of time. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, it's been- Thank you. You guys were fantastic. I wish we had more time, but let me just congratulate you and everyone who listens. I will leave you with this. Know that you rent your title, but you own your character. Never dim your light. Know that you are enough and know that your voice is worthy and deserving to be heard and to be felt in corporate America. It's necessary. I cannot wait to see the future of all the women that are on your podcast and the work and the change that uh, we will make as a sisterhood in corporate America over in years to come. So thank you so much.